Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. 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 Turner Sparks just got married and has moved home to America after 12 years living in China. Sir Michael Ira Kaplan has two kids, a wife, a job, and has spent his entire life in the USA. Neither one can figure their country out. This is Lost in America. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Lost in America, episode 80. Whoa. My name's Turner Sparks. I am Mike Kaplan. You can find me at Turner B. Sparks on Twitter. You can find Kaplan at K-A-P, Cap in America. I almost have 300 followers on Twitter. Ooh la la. I'm I'm marching there. I'm at like 280, I think. Look out, world. Yeah. On the podcast today, we have Roseanne Lake. Roseanne is a journalist for The Economist magazine. And she's a woman. Our second straight week. (laughs) For people who've complained. We've had some people complain we don't have female guests. She also has Uh, a new book out. No more men. She also has a new book out called Leftover in China, The Women Shaping the World's Next Superpower. So she'll be with us in a minute. And if you want to get that book, what do you do, Cap? You go on to lostinamericapod.com and you click on the link where there's like a little Amazon. like shows Top right hand corner. Top right corner. looks like they're selling you something. You click on that. It takes you to amazon.com and you buy her book. Exactly. And anything else you want to buy. So we get some money. She gets some money. Everybody hits. Yeah. Everybody gets a taste. And uh, we you run a- bookstores out of business. That's what we do too. Let's do that. Exactly. And you get a book. <laughs> and we're putting bookstores out of business. Most importantly, that's the boily. The mom and pops are going to be broke. Yeah. So but before all that, Cap, let's start with Teddy Kaplan news because we talked a few. Was it last week? Last or- week, yeah. Last week we talked on the pod about how he had not won Student of the Month yet, and we were furious. Yeah, we were very upset. Or that you actually t- try to calm me down by saying it's a good thing if he doesn't win. Oh yeah, that's true. The character, bad boy. work harder on his game, making the bad boy, bad boy, the kindergarten. And, but you know, this pod we drop it on Wednesday, right? It's up. It's already up by Wednesday morning on the walk to school. People are listening to it on the course. streets of LIC. Teachers included. Friday, two days go by. Friday, Teddy comes home which, with a form that's announcing in his folder. He brings home from school every day. It's announcing that he's the student of the month for this month, baby. <laughs> yeah. Look at us. It said Theodore Kaplan is a student of the month. This month's value is respect. And I guess that this. They respect the pot. They respect the pot. Oh, a little wink, wink. And I guess he exhibits respect. We'll find out how at the ceremony that I'm actually going to miss because I have to work. But I want to say thank you to all you listeners who attacked on social media his his teacher. Yeah, attacked her. You went after their school. You went after the Long Island City Public uh, School. And the whole school system. I think you went after the chancellor, the mayor. 
we're on the verge of getting the, the uh, superintendent booted out of the district. <laughs> so thank you for doing that. Call for our, dogs now, guys. We our call fellow off. Americans, yes. thank you very much. Yeah. It was a, it showed you really we can mobilize an army we to get can, things done. Well, we almost marched. We almost marched. <laughs> Thank you very we much. We were more successful than a lot of these marches you hear. So we got what's and next? And speaking yeah. of controversy, we're we're embroiled, I believe is the word. Is that a word? Embroiled in controversy. That is a here, word, yes. Here at the Lost in America pod. So first of all, we got Teddy Kaplan. All, he's through, right? Yeah, that's done. Next Check. next thing. Next controversy. Andrea Jones Roy. Yes. Surging Queens. An enemy of the people of, of Yugoslavia. Enemy, if you have, if you don't know what's going on, go back and listen to last week's hate mail right now on, and then come back. <laughs> yeah. And now you know Surging Queens, one of our listeners, he may also be, he said we had a great live pod. He liked our live pod, but he was yeah. upset with Andrea Jones-Roy's episode from a few weeks ago. He attacked her for being, saying, besmirching the good name of the, the fine people of Macedonia. Yeah. So now we have Andrea Jones-Roy on the line. Let's get her. Oh, really? On the she's phone? on the line right now. She's waiting. She wants to respond. I don't want to be associated with her. I'm on. I, I can't. <laughs> be, I think I apologize to Macedonia, but I might. I think I'm going to retract. Well, actually, I want to see. Let's what she hear. Has let's to hear say. her defense. Let's, let's see what hear. she has to say first. Andrea, how you doing? What's up, guys? I'm good. How are you? Good. Well, we're pretty good. Yeah, I don't we're know. We're doing good. Are you? Are you, okay. are you wanting to disclose <laughs> your a, location? I'm an enemy or? of the state. I understand. Well, yeah. yeah no, first I certainly of all, cannot. Have you? Yeah. Did you? You listened. You did you hear last week's episode? I did. I did, I did, yes. I am aware of what I have done and that I've made a handful of insignificant people very angry. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> wow, the backlash. Doubling down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Surgeon Queens. Surgeon Queens. And yeah, Surgeon the, Queens. The people of Yugoslavia. I, I invite Surgeon Queens to, uh, we can eat in a Greek restaurant and talk about uh, <laughs> why he thinks Macedonia is so important. Wow, poking the, poking the bear. No, so, yeah. So I've, I've been to Macedonia many times. I dated a Macedonian for a thousand years. Oh, and, I wonder uh, why you're such angry. Yeah, and they're, uh, they're, they're fine people. They just don't matter in the international economy. I think there's <laughs> need to accept that. Wow. So, see, I'm of two minds here. Yeah. One is I don't want to okay. piss off. I don't want to piss off the Macedonians because they seem like people who are more feisty than me. Like, they seem like they can kick my ass. Yeah. But on the other hand, I'm very, I'm a free speech person. I don't like this back, I don't like the PC culture we live in, much less from a Macedonian. Of course. course. I mean, it's a country that hardly anyone even knows. Like, when I first met my ex-boyfriend, I, like, didn't even know what that place was. Wow. And most people don't. Yeah. That's why it's such a good example when I'm talking about insignificant things, because now I have a personal reason to know about it. Wow. And everyone else is like, oh, yeah, that exists. See, Surge and Queen's yeah, just picked that yeah. out of thin air. I, no, it's from personal I experience. would love it if you were to really double down when your next uh, article for 538. Just find a way to work <laughs> in an insult, a dig at Macedonia. <laughs> just uh, yeah. just turn, the, turn the knife a little bit. and. Just well, like at the end of every article, no matter what it's about, and be like, by the way, we also still are not interested in what's going on here. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I will say, I mean, to search is like, it, economically, it doesn't matter. Politically, it's an interesting place, and it's hated by a lot of people, and it's at the cornerstone of, you know, Listen. not the cornerstone, but it's at the center of a lot of really fucked up atrocities and wars. Like, they've been through some shit. Andrew, don't, you don't have to start complimenting them now. Today. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm not comp. I mean, really, there's a source of like a lot of fucking problems that they just give it up and admit that they're Bulgarian or Greek. Oh man! All right, now we're ending. Oh it. wow! <laughs> you're calling them Bulgarian. Yeah. Every, at every yeah, moment, yeah. I think you're gonna say something nice, and then you you go oh, straight no. back into the insults. I think the nicest thing you said is so far is that they're hated by the rest of the world, but at least they're not insignificant. 
I want to apologize. I owe him nothing to do with you people. Oh, Kaplan <laughs> uh, oh, backing down to the sponsors. I'm backing down. We've got a lot of pressure oh from the God. Delta and others. Who yeah, have... we've had a lot of sponsors polling out recently <laughs> based off of this, uh, but good. I don't care. I'm sticking with free speech. You're sticking with free speech. I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm looking to pick up the sponsors Laura Ingram lost, and they can come over here. <laughs> we love everybody. Kaplan, I, Kaplan, I have one thing to say to you, which is peace, good mater. <laughs> what does that mean? What is that? I can't say it in English. It's too offensive. Ask your mom in Macedonian, Kaplan. That's yeah. what my people are telling yeah. me. The intern behind the glass. Oh, Bowie knew that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, All right. Well, uh, yeah, I guess that, that settles right. it. Yeah, we have one. That settles it. I, um, will there be a security detail meeting me? Because uh, I don't feel safe any longer. Yeah, are you, I'm certainly are you, not going to Where sleep. are you? Uh, you're going to disclose your location? Have you left this, the city yet? Or you're... Uh, uh, let me let me put it this way. I'm definitely not in North America. How about that? Okay, wow. good. And do not come to like Astoria. Yeah. I feel like that must be an area of Queens with a lot of Macedonians, so they will, yeah, yeah, they will yeah. recognize your face. I mean, it's because it's a it's a Greek neighborhood, so of course the Macedonians would cluster there. Yeah. How do you say fatwa in Greek? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's going to be put onto you. <laughs> yeah. A Macedonian fatwa has been declared by Sergio. Macedonian Queens. fatwa. <laughs> On Andrea Jones, Roy. Uh, uh, all right. Well, where can people find you, Andrea? Non-Macedonians, <laughs> 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 uh, non yeah, are, are welcome to come to any of my shows. Wow. I'll be screening at the door. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, well, they'll you... recognize me because there'll be a big Greek flag hanging in the, uh, oh in the entranceway. This is bad, bad to worse. <laughs> bad to worse. All cool. right. Thanks, Andrea. All right. A pleasure as always. Talk to you soon. <laughs> See you guys. Wow. So that's... Wow. I didn't no. know what tax she was going to take there. She didn't give an inch. And she did not. She's principled. She, I don't know how long she has to live, but she's going to die for her principle, which is that Macedonia sucks, I guess. Yeah. She she went in like a good stubborn person. She went into that interview. I don't think that was her principle. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was. I create principles all the time that way. Where I like, yeah. say something that offends someone, and I'm like, I'm not going to back... Now I, mean, I believe in this thing. Now you I'm just not, live I'm, in it. I'm just living in the moment. I hate Macedonians. <laughs> yeah. She hates... You know, so she can be persona non grata. I can't wait till Nate Silver <laughs> tries to send her on an assignment out there and she gets detained at the airport. <laughs> but uh, we'll see what happens. Oh. We will see what happens. But if you want to see me, <laughs> I will be May 6th at the Yonkers Comedy Club. Yonkers. Oh. Where's that? Yonkers is like, it's like its own part of New York. I don't, you ever see, uh, uh, like Lost in Yonkers, you ever hear that? No, it's like it's Lost like, in America. Lost in America, yeah. There's, there's <laughs> Lost in Yonkers. Is that a thing I just made up? I think it's a play. But Yonkers is a part of New York, and all I know is I just filed my taxes. And one of the last things they do is they ask you if you're a Yonkers resident. You pay some extra tax. Oh, I have no idea why. Well, I'm not a resident. I'm just going to the <laughs> they comedy pay a club. Different tax than the rest of New York City. It's part of New York City. I, think. I will be in Yonkers, New York, on May 6th at the Yonkers Comedy Club. May 18th, back to Philadelphia, the home of champions. Yes, Philly the city comedy, of champions. Philly comedy club. Myself. And Jeremy Pinsley from the Drinking Pod are going to be headlining there together. Joel and Bean might stomp by. And then I will be at the China International Comedy Festival, judging the festival and headlining the festival May 21st through the 28th in Shanghai, China International Comedy Festival. Then I will be at the Mary Lyon Comedy Club in Singapore June 1st and 2nd. Come on out to those. All right, Cap. Yeah. Should we get to Lost in America? Play, play the music. Play the music.
and love the music. De'Aaron Roots, shout out. Congratulations. The end of tax season for yeah, De'Aaron Roots. People have filed. If you haven't filed your taxes, listeners, you better, I don't know, stop listening and file right now. Exactly. But the man's the best, the most punk rock accountant on the planet. <laughs> yes. That's how you call him. Thank you for the tunes. Kaplan, I'm lost in America this week, and I'll tell you why. Here's, okay, so uh, as we know, I'm a comedian. If you don't know that and you've listened to this, fucking listen again. <laughs> I'm a comedian. Listen to the intro. I tour around the world doing comedy. This is a, th- there's a stark difference in the way that people around the world treat me as a comedian versus American people when I tell them I'm a comedian. I'll give you an example. Yes. When I'm around the world, you say anywhere. Uh, I am in Mexico doing comedy. I'm in China. I'm in Japan. I'm in Korea. How we go? Oh, you're. I. This is my friend Turner. He's a comedian. Oh, you're a comedian. Ooh, that's amazing. <laughs> End of conversation. Ooh, they say woo in every language. Ooh, in English, everyone <laughs> does too. If I say that now, the same exact conversation in the United States of America, they go, "Hey, this is my friend Turner. He's a comedian. Oh, you're a comedian. Do not make a joke about me. Are you joking <laughs> about this? What I'm doing right now? Americans, we have this attitude." Is it self-centered or is it confidence or is it that my life is so important and so interesting that you as a comedian just looking at me are obviously making writing some bit that you're going to do about me at a later date? Well, I think Americans... Are... Defend your country. <laughs> Defend my country. Kaplan. I mean, it's, um, they're engaging with you. They're, uh, they're, yeah, I think Americans, you know, when they go to the comedy club probably like to be ripped on, right? Yes. They have more of a, they understand that everyone likes to be the heckler. Yeah, but this doesn't have to, this is not at a comedy club. This is at a dinner party. This is sitting at a table. Literally everyone says, oh my God, you you better not joke about me. Like, and what they're implying is that they're so amazing. Like, okay, what are you, am I going to joke about? That you're just sitting there eating a steak? Well, you're kind of ripping on them now. You're riffing on them. Wanting you to make jokes about them, oh, God. so they've gotten their wish. They've gotten you, the Americans. Uh, but uh, is, is it is it that do Americans though have a different reaction as far as like what as a career choice? Like once you get deeper, or is it just uh, no? Like, think- I think it's that we as Americans, myself included, we think the world revolves around us. That's why every American has a podcast. <laughs> exactly. Shout out. It does revolve around us. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> thinks the world revolves around them. Everybody knows someone with a podcast or who's a comedian or as a and writer. And everyone, everyone, yeah, everyone's so important that it's of course you must be drawing your material from me directly. The other thing that people say, yes. so there's one of two options, sometimes both. The other thing they say, after they say, oh my gosh, don't write a joke about me. The other example is they would say, um, oh, you're a comedian? My friends tell me I should be a comedian. Oh my god. I'm so Only funny. Americans do that? They don't oh. do that in other countries? No, they don't do that in other countries. All they do in other countries is they politely go, wow, you're, that sounds great. Good for you. You're right. a comedian. I'm an engineer. Yeah, I don't sit I, there and go, well, yeah. oh, my God, you're an engineer? Don't start uh, building, designing a building based off of how I look. Well, because in other countries, they're not raised to think they could be a comedian. So Yeah, I know. <laughs> There's something about America. They're raised to be practical. I don't know if in I should In America, blame. we could do anything we want. So it worked out for you because you're a comedian. It did work out you for me. You might be an engineer if you're in another country. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You might be in a sweatshop. But no but, one believes. I think we're raised to believe we can, we can do anything we want as long as it doesn't take uh, effort. And there's this idea that maybe stand-up doesn't take... Because no one thinks they can just be an engineer. You know uh, what I mean? True. Or an accountant. Shout out Darren Root. Shout out Gary Sparks. I don't think I could be an engineer, but I think I could do a podcast about being an engineer. Because I'm such a great podcaster. <laughs> so, we so had... That. When I was at my, my high school... I mean, my college graduation, University of Miami, we had a... Uh, Architectural critic was the speaker. <laughs> he was the speaker of our graduation. That, that's a deep uh, dive there. Because they wanted, they had to combine the architecture school and the journalism school. 
Wait, where this was high school, you said? University was, of Miami. Oh, I think, oh, okay. Carl Gables, Florida. So wait. So this guy was an architect. <laughs> he wasn't an architect. He never built a building. He just looked at buildings and went, that one sucks. Wait, your journalism school doesn't get their own speaker? They have to share with the art. Yeah, we had to share with the architecture that's school. The, I don't know. This may that, be before that, the $3 billion endowment That's why came Syracuse in. Is, a, is a better journalism program. They couldn't We get Ted it. Koppel. We don't get a... Uh, oh, yeah, I can't you, even name a... My only architect I can name is Art Vandalay, so... <laughs> don't, don't. I can't name any. I am pay. <laughs> I oh that's the one I know a friend of the pod. So anyway, I don't know. So you have no answer for why Americans. I get. I think it's a self centeredness, and then also, but I mean, self centered at some point also good. Like it said, I can do anything, as you said. There's a positive spin to it. I mean, we've discussed before in a lot of these countries that being a comedian is kind of a new concept. Comedy's new. True. Oh, you mean the idea of so, my friends tell me I should be a comedian. Yeah. So yeah, that yeah, has yeah. comes from the fact that Americans have grown up like we've grown up watching Seinfeld. Yeah, he's a no, comedian. And every town, there's like some sort of place to do comedy. So people know people who do comedy. But it's I think it's also and they think if you, like that person's not so great. So I could be a comedian. If you've ever told a joke <laughs> once in your life, then you just think you're a comedian. There's also that any teacher, anytime you tell this to a teacher, they go, "Oh, my job's kind of, it's pretty much like being a comedian. I entertain these students all day." It's like, yeah, yeah but if they don't laugh if, at your joke, they get detention. Yeah, that's what you need. If you could give grades to the audience, like you could exactly. based on how they laugh, then we're equals. Then you could yeah. beyond that, I'm better than you. Yeah, if they give you an apple, yeah, you, I don't know how that works, but they still, right. still give apples. Teachers, no, you're know. the one with kids. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't know, yeah. I think you need more of a bribe these days for teachers. Yeah. They can't survive on apples alone because God knows they don't get paid enough. No. I'm pro-teacher. Ants is an app. It is an app. You can get it in the app store. It's up to five-minute audio recordings of your choice, Kaplan. My it can choice. also be, don't think of it necessarily only as recording. Sometimes it's just communication. It's talking to your friends, right? You want to schedule your next pod? You call Bowie. Bowie tells you when the studio's <laughs> available. Never is the answer we got this week. Yeah. So now we're at a super secret location, as we mentioned we're like earlier. in a closet somewhere, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, where the, this thing, like a paint can's going to fall on my head. <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, and you know, I've noticed that the people are really loving the private feature and ends which i talked about we have a lot of fans have been into me this week i'm getting Ooh. a lot of private answers a lot of they private don't answers. you know they're saying things that they, they're from the heart i guess they don't want the world to know about it but that's an option when you're answering like tell one person something exactly your thoughts yeah you can so, just get in touch with your friends and it, schedule or you can group ants i believe yeah you can group, group like ants. three or four friends together yeah. hey it's always better go. with a group it's always better with a group <laughs> eat hat cap how do you spell ants starts with an e what is it? What's next? Then we got an N. Yes. Then we got an S. I believe you're then right. Then we got an E. Correct. And that is that's a simple word to spell, ENS. So simple that I think it should be on spelling tests for kindergartners. I'm in. You know, it's like a nice four letter. E-N-S-E, ints.nyc. Get it. All right, let's get to our guest, Roseanne Lake. Roseanne, come on in. <laughs> come on in if you can find us. <laughs> With our guest Roseanne Lake. Roseanne, welcome to the super secret location. We cannot say where we are. <laughs> All right, we will not say. I'll just say it's pretty spectacular. But you found it. I found it. Yeah. So, okay, you have this book, which we're going to talk about, but I want to start with you moved. When did you move to China? 2009. Okay, why did you move to China? 
Uh, well, China was having like a big coming out party, I think. It was right after the Olympics. China's gay. And <laughs> That's what <laughs> oh, I'm saying. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the next book. I, I, I hesitated before I said that. But gay I, China. I figured you'd know what I meant. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just, I don't know, the whole world was kind of paying attention. And mm. I really wanted to learn Mandarin. And I'd just come out of, I just graduated from, you know, grad school and journalism. And the choices are, you know, you stick around New York City and you get coffee for a bunch of obnoxious people. Or you go to China and you pick up some Mandarin and you make yourself a bit more exotic and you pitch to editors and, you know, life is perhaps a bit more interesting. So that's what happened. I, went I would whim. say the blonde hair specifically exotic in China, right? Not so much in Beijing, but yeah, more really? so than here. A lot of blondes? Um, well, it's a foreigner, <laughs> in Beijing. for sure. Oh, yeah. more foreigners. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I, yeah, I, I just remember like I could skate by a lot, but anyone I knew who was blonde would get way more attention, I would say, way more attention than me. I had a friend visit. So I, the, one of the first things I did when I arrived was buy a hot orange electric scooter named Fanta. So to make myself a little bit more inconspicuous, you know, I bought this hot orange. Yeah, exactly. And I would ride around it all the time and it seemed pretty fine until a friend of mine from college came to visit who was also blonde. And when the two of us were on this thing, it was like, everyone was like, what? Like, you know, your sister came and suddenly we were getting tons of attention. When it was just me, yeah, it was fine. Business as usual. Okay. I was usually pretty bundled up. You know, Beijing gets cold. Yeah. That's true. That's you have a scooter, Turner? I did. The first year I was there, I had a scooter. My boss, it was a signing bonus for going to work Whoa. at the school I taught at. Wow. Because there was like a few schools that all wanted me because I was I was living in Suzhou. Highly recruited. 2004, Suzhou. Yeah. yeah, so I was like a top five You pick. also didn't want to get coffee for obnoxious people. Exactly. 2004, so you said, I'm moving to China. There's only two choices, apparently. I didn't know. I chose the coffee for obnoxious people. Kavlin I moved to LA. I was doing that. I'm still doing that. But I- <laughs> you got us this amazing secret location. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. It all pays off somewhere. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I got a scooter. It was, uh, it, and the, so the boss was like, if you sign with us, we'll get you a scooter. But then I taught for them for a year and like nine months into it, I, my boss, we did not get along at all. And so I just left the scooter on the street cause I knew he was going to, he was going to try to make me return it at the end of the year. So I just left it on the street for three months. It took three months for it to get stolen. Whoa, and then it awesome. did, and then I didn't have to give it back to him. You, I'm put sorry, the, dude. you put a bike lock on it, or no? Because I no. wanted to get rid of it. And no I one took it, it for three months, so I wouldn't have to give it back to him. That would have taken three days in Beijing. Suzhou must be a much safer place. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. So Beijing in 2009. What'd you go there? Did you go there to? Um, did you have a job? Like, were you a journalist? Yes, I was working for the party essentially. <laughs> I was working for the Beijing Review. Um, it's a publication under the Ministry of Propaganda or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's uh, it was not a very exciting publication, but that's sort of what took me there. And I was only planning on staying for a little bit. Um, and actually, I stayed twenty days. Uh, the people that I was working with had a very serious plagiarism problem, and you know they would plagiarize from a whole bunch of different sources. But it was just like, guys, you know this is problematic. You can't just rehash. The New York Times or National Geographic, <laughs> and expect that I'm not going to know. Do they? Go, yes. But they don't have a. Do they go to journalism school? Uh, or they just like. Uh, I mean, this was you know these are those iron rice bowl jobs, right? right. So <laughs> you're there for life. There's not too much incentive to go and be above and beyond the call of duty, right. which apparently didn't matter. And you know the editor who was above me was a South African guy, and and he also didn't seem to think. Oh, this he didn't was a care. Problem. No, so when just I raised it to him, you know, he was just kind of like, yeah, well, this is what happens, and I'm yeah. like, I, I can't. As long as you're not saying anything bad about yeah. apartheid, I'm fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this paper took a struggle. So what were you covering for the paper? Were you- um, I was, it was a China-Africa 
publications. Oh, so, it so, was, so you were covering apartheid. No. <laughs> <laughs> you were, you were, and all the benefits. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but I lasted 20 days. I mean, I was looking at, I was looking after the French edition and the English edition, and both were equally, um, you know, borrowed. So I just decided, borrowed. sorry, I can't, I can't stick around. Did, were you right out of journalism school? I was. Yeah. That's so funny. Optimistic. Because no, because they be... teach. I went to journalism school at University of Miami, and. I also, right when I got there, I taught, I mean, I worked at the Suzhou, whatever newspaper, Suzhou Daily. But yeah, it's exact, op- like they tell you in school, right? They're like, oh, you get all this like super ideal. Like they didn't even want to mix. I think our like school paper, you couldn't mix advertising department yeah. and the journalism department. But then any like small magazine, take. sometimes they just have to because it's mm. like one person who does it all. And then you get over to China and they're like, oh no, our job is just to do whatever like journalism Home thought of as and all of this. it's yeah. extending the yeah. idea of the party, right? Yeah. I mean, for those sorts of publications, for sure. Yeah. So that was the Beijing Review? Yeah. Reviewing not a lot. <laughs> not too much. China, and so Africa, you quit and then you came back to America? Or no. Are you kidding me? Um, I was already enterprising little me. I had already gotten a job as the property correspondent for Time Out. And so I was covering the crazy, the dizzyingly high, you know, well, real estate development and just prices around Beijing. And somebody from a television network called me and said, hey, can we have you on a show to talk about, you know, the property market in China? And I was like, well, I'm pretty new, but if you tell me what you want me to cover, I'll do my homework and I'll be on your show. Um, so that's what happened. I was on the show and it was a new channel called BON. And um, right after I was on the show, they were like, hey, we're hiring. Do you want to, you know, be a host on the show? And I was like, actually, that's great because I need a job and I have this scooter I need to support. Um, I want to stay in China. <laughs> and so, the scooter payments. <laughs> scooter payments. <laughs> no, the scooter actually paid for it, but I yeah. just, I want to keep riding insurance. it. it was like scooter insurance riding, riding a scooter on Beijing is like outdoor theater you know it's just like it's like being in the movies all the time you zip around you see something weird happen you park your bike and you kind of just watch that's what I did all the time it was I mean I didn't speak the language it was a fascinating place you had like you know people delivering by tie white cabbage on your right and then you had these like high rises going up on your left it was just way too interesting to want to leave so essentially you know whatever opportunity I could have to stay that didn't compromise my journalistic principles was a reason enough to stay. But you said you went there because you want to serve coffee. But why'd you? That, that's why you would go. That's why you would leave America. But why'd you pick China specifically? I wanted to learn Mandarin. And oh, you did. Yeah, okay. and, and you know, China seemed like it was a place that was growing in world importance, right? I grew up speaking Spanish. I'm half Spanish, and um, I studied French and Italian in college. So Romance languages came pretty easily, and I wanted like a real linguistic challenge. And China seemed like a pretty good option. In addition to the fact that just from a news perspective, it was becoming increasingly important. I guess 2009 it was. Right. It was, Olympics, it was right after the Olympics. They had the peak of Mr. Softy sales, I think. Right? Exactly. That's really when we were really, off. yeah, we were kicking ass. It was a, it was, it was a great time to be in China. <laughs> it was, it was, it was the heyday. It's a heyday, so yeah, <laughs> peak. Okay, and so then, because now you work uh, with The Economist. So how do you go from... Time out Beijing. Yeah, time out <laughs> Beijing. Like, what it, what's, the, what's the move? You know I, I actually mean? I actually have a colleague who I really admire who started off at Time Out, I don't know, 30 years ago and has now been at The Economist forever. Apparently, it's a very common trajectory. Uh, time but it's out one to the, the other? Is that what you did? <laughs> no, not quite. I mean, just in the meantime. Just miners to <laughs> scooter into their office. No, I mean, I was in China for five years. Um, so I, you know, I freelanced for a bunch of publications in the U.S. And it was also there that I got the book idea. Um, so, yeah, um, worked on all of those things. And then, I don't know, I guess cleaned up enough for The Economist to want me. Uh, <laughs> when you were at Time Out, could you write whatever you wanted, or was that um, controlled yeah. as I well? I mean, I was writing the property beat, so it wasn't anything tremendously sensitive. It oh, was okay. like introducing new neighborhoods and talking about prices and you know distance from the subway and you know yeah. new compounds that were going up. It wasn't anything highly controversial. 
did they come because I think there's a thought that like everything is controlled to the same degree in China in terms of journalism, but I that's probably not the case, right? No, I mean, a publication like the Beijing Review kind of has pretty clear marching orders in terms of what they're supposed to be covering. Of course, there are people on staff that would, you know, pitch stories, but everything kind of goes through a lot more of a rigorous check before it gets published. I think for a publication like Time Out or, you know, other foreign outlets, it's the the, the checking process before something comes out isn't as thorough. It's after it comes out. If you've done something wrong, you might get a talking to, um, but it goes the other way around. For, you know, for a state publication, it's like it doesn't even have the chance to come out that's going to get filtered before so did you find yourself self-censoring or does anyone do that just in case uh time out or just anywhere it's uh, a talking to because I, I know in stand-up we did like you would um doing comedy in china you would say like well let's just not like no one really talked politics chinese politics no one talked chinese politics on stage because we thought like well if we do that because we'd built this whole community this whole like thing and then if you do that it could risk like everything getting shut down right so we just didn't like, right. We just stayed away from missed a uh, lot of opportunities. Was, that whole career I could have had, had doing so specific tea. Chinese <laughs> politics comedy around the world. Could have been the John Oliver. What's the deal with the uh, <laughs> the John oh, Oliver? Uh, you could have had some good probably times there. Like, yeah, probably wouldn't have lasted long. And it just wasn't what I was interested in. I wasn't. Um, That's the thing. I mean, I think it comes down to that. If I were, you know, determined, if I were fascinated by the Communist Party and wanted to constantly write about them, I'd probably run into more issues. But I'm not. Like, it didn't end up being, you know, it didn't intersect too much with what I ended up covering. So I didn't really usually have any issues, which is disappointing. Yeah. You'd like to think, you know, I'm not even important enough to be on their radar. They leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. You've really made it be as like, a journalist. Actually, I haven't made it. The yeah. quickest way to fail at like a TV show or anything is when you're trying, you, you try to start talking about like whoever the governor is of some province like no one's ever heard of them yeah. you know what i mean you can't do right. you can't even bring Very anyone specific be- humor anyone below or, the president or, or in china people just don't know mm. i don't think anyone would know right right well if it's a if it's a juicy enough story i guess people don't need to know the person but i don't know no i don't yeah. even i'm not sure you know i don't did you find that people you knew were talking politics every day in the street and no, at dinner? Definitely you know? not. I mean, people in China, they like to make money. They like to talk about, you know, what they can buy with it. It's politics. No, it, aside from like a small, a small circle that is, you know, very, very political. Um, no, it doesn't come up. I the guess in Beijing, maybe more you're than Xing, was, No, it doesn't come up. Yeah. No. Although, I mean, since we're talking politics, I always secretly wanted to write a play or some sort of a novel about Bo Xilai's son, Bo Guokua, and Xi Jinping's daughter, who were, I think, at Harvard at the same time, falling in love and having some crazy story. Because... Did they really? No. This oh. Is... <laughs> Wait, Kev, do you know this story? I don't know. <laughs> okay, okay. It's really speaking French. Um, do you, I'm going to explain it quickly. All right. Okay, so Bo Xilai was... Think of him as like the John McCain. I could be slightly like not po- politically, but that important of a person in Chinese was politics. He like war Meaning, hero? Was he? A, was no, he no, no. This is very recent. Oh. This is like what five years ago, maybe. Yeah, when Xi Jinping took power. He no, wasn't the president, like, but he had a chance of becoming the president. He could. He was one of like the top group of people who might right. become the next president of China, and it was him versus this guy Xi Jinping, who now is the president. Right. Xi, For life. For li- yeah, now for life. <laughs> Shout out. And uh, so we all hail our great leader, yes. our overlord. And uh, so he, let's see what happened. His wife, okay, back to Bo Xilai. Bo Xilai. Um, when it seemed like John he McCain. might become the president, just John McCain, when it seemed like he might become the president, his wife killed a British businessman. Neil Hayward. <laughs> Intentionally? R.I.P. Yeah. 
R.I.P. Yeah, yeah. Oh, intentionally. No, what do you mean? She I mean, like, she like hit him in her car or something bad. Well, it, may, it may have been the maid, but she probably put her. Wait, how'd she it. kill him? Oh, correct me if I'm wrong in any of this, because I'm re- remembering slightly and I'm just going. Same. So she killed him by poisoning, right? Yeah. She po- the old fashioned way. In England? Like, or in, in China? No, no, no. Arsenic. Oh. In China. He was. was, a, it, he was he, a, she was having an affair with him? No. Yeah. No, potentially or no? No, there were some. I think uh, she was. She had business deals going on that she probably wasn't supposed to be having, given who her husband was. Oh. Um, um, he was the mayor of Chongqing, I believe. Yeah, he was the mayor of like this, the biggest uh, city in quotation marks in the world. So he was more like uh, Rudy Giuliani people. or someone. China, but no, big no way more powerful. Well, like the biggest mayor. I oh, sorry, you're very New York. This yeah, yeah. is a whatever of you. In New York City, how important Giuliani is. Yeah. Or what? But for Bloomberg, let's say for America. She was the mayor of Bloomberg. Of, yeah. He, and then so she killed. So what happened? No, way, way, way more powerful. Okay. Anyway. So then he, she went to jail uh, for life, right? Uh, no one really knows where she is, but that was the, <laughs> yeah, those were the headlines, I believe. And then he, did he go to prison or did he, just get, he got kicked out of politics? Yeah, he's he lost, so he lost his career? Did he have nothing to do with the murder though? No, he lost his career he's for gone. sure. Yeah. How do they know he had Unclear anything to do with if he had anything to do with the murder, right? Unclear, yeah. And is it clear if she was having an affair with this guy? Or no, no, that was also unclear. I, I, but I, on this podcast, yes. But <laughs> what was your, your novel going to be? Who was, who was, she, been who was she at Harvard at the same time? Or who was at Harvard together? Uh, so her uh, son and Xi Jinping's daughter. So basically, the oh. two, two top rivals. contenders, oh. the rivals for this is a great so, book so, idea. So you're saying if Meghan McCain, you heard had, it oh, here wait, first. Wait, I'm trying to think of if a oh, wait, what's a Trump? I'm trying to think of a political son. Uh, if, thing. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it. it would be like if a Clinton. I mean, if that was possible. If, if Hillary, no, he, Clinton <laughs> and Trump are friends. Hillary, uh, yeah. what's her face? Ivanka. She, and, isn't a, yeah, if Chelsea Eric Trump and. Sasha, no. It would have to be one in yeah. prison, the other. It would have to be a Trump and one of the one of Obama's daughters. Yeah, it would, but it's now that still would not blow the same level. Of, no, no, but only, would, only, <laughs> only, only, only if Trump put Michelle Obama in prison. Well, he don't right? give me ideas. Yeah, yeah killing someone. There's so we're there, there were a lot of degrees. Yeah, it, it was nuts. Well, Hillary Clinton. No, what was that? No, <laughs> pizza thing. <laughs> So you didn't write about that at all, did you? No, no. But I'm, I'm just saying when you were talking politics earlier, I was like, that's the closest. That's the only temptation I had to like, I don't yeah. know, do something fantastical there around that. I bought a book about that, but you couldn't buy it. I bought it in Hong Kong. Yeah. You could buy it there. You could it was buy very it. sensitive. In mainland China, you could not. So we're going to have to cut all that out from the Chinese version of this podcast. Right? Yeah, but whatever. We'll be fine. <laughs> okay. So how did you get to this I, uh, idea for writing this book? Was that... This book, um, I was surrounded by. So the book's called Leftover in China, and it's about leftover women, right? Women who have rather, uh, I don't know, rather brazenly um, transgressed their sell-by date of 25 or 27 or 30 to get married. So I'm talking about, you know, women who aren't getting married when everyone else is telling them they're supposed to. So society tells them to get married at 25, 26, 27. In China, they get married. That's the average age or so, about 20. It's actually not the average age. The average age is a bit higher than that, but this is kind of what society is saying. Right. Um, And the reason is, you know, women in China are still largely defined by a biological definition and they believe that you know kind of after 27 your babies are going to come out funky so if you don't have a kid by then um you know your the chances of parents being able to you know swaddle those really healthy wrapped up babies uh you know lots of layers of blankets and all that stuff like they like doing uh decrease right so they kind of usher everyone into marriage as quickly as possible but what's crazy uh, like i knew i used to teach some high school kids they couldn't date in high school right or in college Or in college. No. So So the window is tiny. (laughs) There is no window. You You graduate and you get married. You start dating. No birth control. 22. Yeah, and then you just go Mormon style. Right. No birth control. (laughs) And then you have kids and then you're done. Because they're having sex before marriage. Is that frowned upon? 
<laughs> it, it's not frowned upon. I mean, you obviously don't advertise it, right. but you know, it's uh, things have definitely changed. There's yeah. no religious factor to right. that. There's no, no, there's no, 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 no God. I think God. more than yeah, anything, so it's, it's a matter of space. Like I've spoken to women who were like, I was desperate to lose my virginity and I could not find a place to oh, do it. Oh, because live with their parents. Because China is crowded. <laughs> right. It is crowded. Uh, One of the characters in my book was so desperate to do it, she couldn't manage to do it until she went to Sweden as an exchange student. And before she went, she actually went to Yonghugong Temple and prayed that she would be able to lose it somewhere in China, but she just couldn't. She's like, wow. it's a crowded place. There's no, you know, there's not. There's a always finding a space for a podcast. It's hard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I remember you, I would see couples getting very um, like spending all day just like holding each other in a park. Yeah, that along would be a the big, Yama, big Yama. date. Babies aren't made that way. Just like eight, eight hours in the park, just sitting so. there spooning, a lot of spooning in public. Yeah, a lot of spooning, and then just like staring into the distance. Yeah, they don't the, have cars. Oh no, the Yamaha car? Canal was pretty popular for that. People would hang Where's out there that? all day. Um, downtown Beijing, near Liangwei Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, that was that their makeout point. That was point. yeah. In the evenings, <laughs> like you'd hear weird noises in the bushes. It was, yeah. <laughs> in the bushes. They should have rented out the softy fan when it was off duty. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, make some bucks. Couple okay, so you knew all, so you had a lot of friends like this. So I had a lot of colleagues who were in this situation, and I had no idea. Like, I would go to work, and I was kind of struck by the fact that these women were kind of in charge at the studio, right? They were the editors, the producers, they were kind of calling the shots. And all the men I work with kind of just worked the cameras. Um, and, you know, being new to China, I was kind of surprised, like, wow, these women are, you know, in, in charge here. And um, I, they were just, you know, colleagues, and we worked together. And it wasn't until after my first Chinese New Year that I get back to the office and things are kind of, you know, they're in decidedly different spirits. No one's as cheerful as they usually are. And I'm thinking, is there something wrong with the company? Um, you know, it was a new company. I didn't know if people were getting laid off, what the issue was. And I went to see sort of one of the higher ups, and she was like, oh, they're just upset because they're not married. And I'm like, like, amazing. uh, They're like 23, 24. Like, is the Communist Party giving away free holidays to the Maldives or something? Like, what for honeymoons? Right? What is going on? And she kind of just shut the door um, in a very sort of pragmatic. Like, she said this as like frankly as she would say like, like no there is no toilet paper today right. like, yeah. it was just it's obvious everyone knows why yeah. yeah and so I went back and I started you know kind of asking around and people were pretty mum on the subject but finally I got one of my colleagues Shan Shan to open up and she explained that she'd just come back from her laojia you know from her hometown with this fresh lacquering of marriage pressure and it didn't matter that she was in Beijing that she was supporting herself that she was bilingual that she had a master's degree that she was working for an international network none of that mattered because she wasn't married yeah. and like her parents her grandparents her relatives Taxi drivers, her former classmates, they couldn't get <laughs> Taxi over it. drivers. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to stop this car right now. Yeah. You need to get married. You're yeah. not married. Yeah. We're going to the Please, chapel. the impropriety. We're going to the park. Exactly. <laughs> Fine. We're yeah. going to People's Park We're right now. We're going to those bushes. Those markets, the setup markets? Or... Yeah. yeah. What about those? Tiantang Gongyuan in Beijing. We've talked about those. People's Park in Shanghai. Yeah. Taxi driver makes a U-turn and takes him Takes him right there and is like, I'm going to be fine. 23. It is time. To get married. So you're just supposed to marry the first person you see, basically? Not necessarily. I mean, what I guess the difference um, with with places like India where marriages are flat out arranged um, is you get a choice here. And one of the things that I found so entertaining was, you know, you'd have women in their mid 30s, sometimes early 40s, and their parents hadn't given up yet. And they saw it as their mission as parents to sort of present them with a constant parade of men to choose from. And sometimes, you know, women would dismiss these men like, oh, he's a PhD. They're dorky. I can't handle them. And they just kind of wave the guy away. And I'm like, are you? 
you kidding me? I mean, you know, in some cases, yes, I will sympathize with this ridiculous pressure you get starting at age 23. But in other cases, you know, when it gets to 40 and they're still presenting you with constant men, it's like, well, do you want this or do you not want this? Because, yeah. you know, um, I would say, you know, it's pretty kind of your parents to still be doing this for you. Just keep going. It's yeah. interesting because it's like the pressure is to get married. Like, I feel like in America, like, I mean, I'm Jewish. And it's a stereotype, but it's a little bit true of like, you're very much pressured to like marry someone Jewish, right? Right. And then there's like also pressure on women that like, oh, you got to get married when you're young. because yeah. But it's unspoken that like, because you want to find someone who's rich or good looking. And like, it'd be <laughs> way doctor. too long. It'd be way too long to be stuck with me or something. But like, you know, yeah. so, uh, but they're not, there's not this panic that you won't get married at all. Unless, like, maybe in extreme circumstances. Is there? When's the last uh, time you chatted with a Jewish mom? Oh, <laughs> yes. I meant, I meant as America overall. Oh, overall. So, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. But yes, the Jews, yes. There's a, there's a, we can relate to this. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. A lot of Chinese moms, I feel like, sound like Jewish moms. I don't have a Jewish mom. I'm not yeah. Jewish, but I know a lot of them. And it's, I've watched enough episodes of The Nanny to kind of get Yes, it. that's, that's exactly how it is. <laughs> Was there anything they had to marry a Chinese person? That doesn't seem to matter, right? No. Doesn't come. I think it's kind of just assumed that they will. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's like ninety nine point nine nine nine. Right. This no, like, exactly. I mean, country. guess you could marry an expat. You know, this guy. But. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you could, and some parents look favorably upon it, and some are freaked out about it. But you know, overall, it's no. It's as long as you're married. That's kind of. I went it, to a wedding one time, and the the husband, the groom, was American, and mm-hmm. the wife was Chinese. And the wife's dad gave a speech at the wedding, and he goes, initially, when we found out our daughter was dating this guy, we were very happy because he's American, and Americans are rich. (laughs) And then everyone clapped. (laughs) Like the 300 people at the wedding all clapped. And then he goes, but we found out he is not rich. (laughs) And everyone went, went, oh. And they go, but we learned to love him anyway. Oh my God. Thank you. Good night. That was the end. That was like I the whole it. speech. That is That's a great speech. To, yeah. to the point. You have to love how honest he was. Uh. Yeah, very honest. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So then, like, you, did you just pick the women from your office? And, like, I'm no, going to write a book no, about no. you? I mean, they were kind of, <laughs> they were kind of the, the, the test group, right? Like, I was like, wow, this is pretty outrageous. Why? You know, why, why? first of all, why do you have so much pressure? And at the time, like, I was still pretty new to China, but I knew that there were more men than women in China. Yeah. So I was like, uh, seems why? Seems easy. Yeah, it seems easy. Oh, like, yeah. even if, you know, you're facing this gruesome pressure, why don't you just get a guy, bring him home for the holidays, and then, you know, call it quits after that? Like, avoid yourself the trauma of the going old home stall. someone. Yeah, oh, why don't yeah. you do that? And it kind I got blank stares. It's like these women weren't dating. They weren't like, it was like, where were these men? And it was kind of, I mean, I wasn't writing a book at the time, but I was just kind of curious. I was new to China. I wanted to understand, I guess, the younger generations. It was an easy sort of entry point for me, someone who was, you know, still very far into this place. And it was like, I kind of, you know, wanted to figure out, well, I knew at the time there were 20 million more men. There were going to be 20 million more men of marriage age than women by the year 2020. That was a Chinese Academy of Social Sciences stat that was already out. So it's like, well, where are these men? How can I find them um and so yeah i guess the journalist and me kind of took over and i went to sort of i started to try to figure out well why are these women having such a hard time dating and you know why is it such a big deal that they get married by such a young age and the answer as to where the men were i remember at the time i was thinking like wow you know so many more men i could maybe like pitch this to marie claire or some women's magazine as like the untapped oasis for dating and (laughs) that was the first thought um and then you know i did a bit of digging and i realized well wait a minute you know china had a one-child policy and there's been a gender imbalance as a result of it, which has led to this surplus of men. But where are they? A lot of these men are in rural areas of China, in the countryside, where parents were more keen to have a son. Um, whereas in urban areas, you had you know parents who were a bit more open-minded. And it's like, well, we're having a girl. We'll just keep a girl. She doesn't have a brother. 
Um, so we're just going to raise her as if she were our son, right? All the, we're going to push her to study and to succeed and to bring honor to our family as if she were our own, our only heir because she is. And so what I saw was a lot of, it, it started to, everything started to fall into place. A lot of my colleagues were only daughters and, um, you know, they'd been raised as if they were sons and a lot of the men that they were supposed to be dating. I mean, a lot of these surplus men were, were locked up in the, in their rural areas of the country where, you know, they were poor, they were uneducated and they probably weren't going to cross paths with these women because they were still living on farms. Um, so that started to explain So does why that mean that in cities it's actually more balanced? In cities it is more balanced. So if you look at demographic data in, in China um, sort of from 1979 going forward, you see that there is an imbalance, but in places, top tier cities like Beijing and Shanghai, uh, that imbalance rarely exceeds 100 to 115. So for every 100 girls, there are about 115 boys, which is unnatural. In nature, it's usually 100 to 106. There are usually some more boys born than girls, oh, just really? generally. I yeah, more in girls. nature. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. more boys. Um, so you have that, but if you go way, way out into the provinces, you see that climb out, climb to, you know, 120, 130, 140, 150, 150. 160, so, 170. Wow. It gets really high. So what we need to do is start a, um, like a tour system. Where you go out to the bus out to the province, go right. meet guys. Bachelor religion. Right. Yeah. Instead of speed yes. dating, like, speed in, dating. like, yes. like <laughs> weekend in the province. Also, we need to train the guys out there. We're going to go out there and train them to be more city like. Oh, okay. you guys would be perfect. You know, yeah, teach that's them, a good idea. Uh, <laughs> we'll take them, the pot on the road. Teach them a little bit of education. <laughs> Great bit, yes. <laughs> teach them how to talk to girls. Yeah. You'll translate. Book your tickets to we'll Guangzhou. We'll do dance now. classes <laughs> and uh, yeah. drink orders. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so, where do people meet? Because I always, first of all, it's not, I mean, I know from experience, no one. It, it, at least until recently, no one's going to bars and stuff. It's not like this, like, go out to bar and meet people. I guess maybe online. Is that the big thing? They or go online, but what I discovered was a lot of times parents create accounts for their kids. <laughs> That's amazing. Another very Jewish mom thing. Yes, <laughs> totally. I mean, like do a jaded account. So they're like, you know, there are moms who create platforms, uh, who create like dating profiles for their daughters online. And they chat with men on their behalf. And do they take say, a picture? Like when they're not looking or they just use a no, picture they have? No, they'll get or, a picture. Yeah, yeah. You know, they'll sort it out. They'll ask for a picture. Yeah, yeah. And then they'll say, you know, Sunday at four, you have to go meet this guy. So they chat with them. Like they're they online with flirting them. with the guy basically. Yeah, they do. And they say ridiculous, like very old school things like, I want to be your right hand and your left shoulder and I want to build <laughs> a life with you. Left. You know, like I've, I've girls have passed along transcripts of these things and it's, like it's the, hardly believable. Does that, that scare? Like, cause I feel like an American man would be scared off on an online chat session if they were like talking about getting married basically. <laughs> on the Probably. <laughs> these are pretty local yeah. chatting platforms and these yeah. women are, you know, their yeah. moms are chatting in Chinese. So right. you probably weed out the foreigners that way. No, I just meant like, as far as like the guys are like, is it more normal? Like, for the guys to just be thinking like I'm gonna get married to this person, like talk that way with having met yet? No, I mean, probably not. I mean, people you know who are young enough these days probably want to try dating a little bit. It's a very new thing. I mean, yeah. that was one of the sort of roadblocks that I encountered. It was like, wait a minute, you know, why are there so many single people or so many single women? Okay, you look at the supply and things start to make a little bit more sense. But it became very clear that there isn't a dating culture, right? Like Turner said, people don't really, they're going out to bars more and more, but I would say that's still a pretty small percentage of, of you know, what young Chinese people do. So they'll either meet at school um, or, you know, workmates will help will say oh well i've got a single friend and they'll you know we, try to partner them off that way it's still a very people to people kind of approach to right we need to even like hobby like um sports teams i guess that's a little that's a little that's becoming a thing a little bit but like you know like outside of work hobbies like yeah. church or it's whatever a very big deal. that doesn't exist the right? gym. people aren't meeting at that 
Being at the gym, maybe, but more like just playing on a rec league soccer Co-ed team. Sports, or yeah, yeah it is. social things, outdoorsy stuff. Exactly. How do we like export volleyball all of our rom coms yeah. and like TV shows about dating and all these things? Oh, they're there. They have them all. They haven't got ideas off these things. Big Bang Theory was a really big hit. True, but they haven't thought. Oh, we should try some of these. No. Well, they mean like watch Big Bang Theory and then be like, let's start a volleyball league. <laughs> I mean, like, I you have to first of all create the system. Right. Well, I've never seen Big Bang Theory. I didn't know that's a big part of it. I don't know. If it is either, <laughs> but what I'm saying, like, it's, you get, it's, it's easier said than done. Or just watch shows about, I don't know, getting drunk and hooking up. No. <laughs> that idea? Do you have that idea? No. And then go do that? Yes, go do that. Another so, thing you guys can teach. I, I could teach I a lot. But wait, that's just, what, that'll be part of our class <laughs> in, in the villages. Getting drunk and hooking this, up and yeah. volleyball. Yes. This clip of Big Bang Theory yeah. will us. <laughs> Big Bang Theory. <laughs> I like how we use that as an example when neither one of us have ever, seen, ever seen the show. Nerds, that's all I know exists on that show. It'd be great if we exported so it. So then, yeah, I'm trying to think about how the people I know. I don't know. How are they meeting? Basically work, right? Yeah, work, friends, parents. I mean, parents still orchestrate blind oh, yeah, dates. Uh, siblings, if they yeah. have them. Friends, if they have them. Married colleagues will do it. Taxi drivers, sometimes they play a hand. I mean, everybody, you know. <laughs> taxi every, drivers. They're getting laid a lot, the taxi drivers. <laughs> they're, they're matchmakers. Yeah, I taxi mean, driver matchmaker is a great idea because they meet so many people. They overhear their conversations. Or, so they know a lot know, about them. Like, <laughs> Shared <laughs> rides, a lot of million dollar idea. Shared rides. I know a girl who was saying, like, you know, I took a a shared car into work the other day, and I met someone pretty cute. I think I'm going to keep doing it. Like, that's it's a, a great idea. You know how like Uber like, has Uber like, pool. Uber share, exactly. but they can Uber st- date. But Uber date. Yeah, that's yeah. Right, give them this idea. Guys, they could be it's, like, it's Didi. Yeah. Uber has been killed by Didi. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's all yeah. about the Didi. But you can do a shared ride. Didi date. Didi date sounds even better. Didi date. Yes. Oh my god. They like share, and it's like I want. I'm a man seeking woman, and you can do that. Put that all in. It take like an hour an and a half for a car to show up. <laughs> <laughs> like, she needs to be, like, here's my picture. There are plenty yeah. of cars, but yeah. no man. I've been yeah. waiting for 23 years. I can wait an extra hour and you're, a half. You're sober by the time a car shows up. Like, oh, I could drive now. I don't need this car, but... That's part of the class. We're yeah. like, but you're not allowed. Don't get sober. Classic mistake is getting sober in the hour and a half before yeah. the car shows up. Yeah, those are ideas we could play with them. Oh. We've been, you, I know you've been doing these uh, interviews all over the place for this book. Has anyone been giving you this amount of ideas? <laughs> no, in terms of like business opportunities? We're yeah. solving no, no. problems. DD yeah. Date, I think, is a great idea. DD Date. Um, um, do the guys, so other guys have like, I mean, the problem has to work both ways too, right? Is there a term for men who are single? Or? Yeah, it's guangun. It means guangun. bear branch. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I never even heard that. I didn't the Chinese are not subtle. Yeah. yeah. Guangun, it means bear branch, and it's in reference to the the fact that these guys are unlikely to produce offshoots of their own. Oh, that's just a, uh, that's a yeah, low blow. It yeah, is, and, and it refers primarily to these guys that I was talking about in the countryside. Um, you yes, know, we're going to help. No, Bearbranch.com. Yeah. But there's also oh this phd.com. Bearbranch. <laughs> that could be so many things. Yeah, that's, that's like a gay porn site. For <laughs> but the, you're also talking about they that's don't the they don't book. like the guys with the PhDs. They're dorks. And they don't like the guys out in the countryside. No, yeah, who do they like? So women are very well, picky, no, it sounds no, no, like. No, no. The PhD is just one example. Uh, I think there are plenty of women who are fine with PhDs. The guys in the countryside, it's not that they don't like good. them. It's just that they're probably not going to cross paths with right, them ever, yeah. right? Yeah. So these guys have a different problem. They're left over for right. you know, different reasons because they're really poor and they're stuck on farms. Right. And they all vote for they Trump. live in areas. <laughs> so, there is a freakish parallel <laughs> to the left behind men in the United States who voted for Trump. Absolutely. Um, so they've got a different problem, right? There aren't women around them because any women who were born in those 
those areas could maybe become a masseuse or a hostess and they could get out. Whereas these men as sons were more stuck on farms. So these guys need to buy bribes from places like Vietnam or Thailand. Uh, and, you know, there's a, there's a system for them to be the able to The workaround. Yeah, they have to, they they have to bring them in. Yeah, they have to When you them. import the bribe, do you then pretend... Like, is there a whole song? You pretend they're they're local? Or, you I can't fool anybody, right? Yeah. <laughs> the language would give it away. <laughs> right, yeah. we train, keep them inside for two years and be like, learn Chinese. <laughs> oh, and, God. No. There's some pretty horrible stories. I don't think it's, is it seen that. as worse to do that or not? I don't, I wouldn't think so. No, no it's guess, just, it's yeah. just a solution. I mean, you know, if you can't find a wife in China, will you import one? That's, that's yeah. kind of the deal. That makes yeah. sense. That'll be us mm. one day. Yeah. We're, I don't know. People <laughs> forgot to talk to you. People don't want to talk to each other in America. So one day people... Oh, that'll be Americans? Yeah. Well, That's true. When people stop going out of their house. Yeah. We'll be okay, so, so this book's out. And uh, wait, you were saying that people are up, upset that you're not Chinese and you're writing about China? Not everyone, but some people are like, what <laughs> does a saying, white woman know about China? Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah, that's... But you lived there for five years. I did. And so that... Um, it still doesn't make me Chinese. They but. say if you live in New York five years, you're New Yorker. If you live in China five years, you're Chinese. <laughs> yes, <No? laughs> I agree. I'm a Lao Beijing man at this point, yeah. <laughs> How's the reception been for the book? The reception has been good, mixed. I mean, good stuff, bad stuff, a uh, bunch of everything. In China, overall, it has been really good. A yeah. lot of young Chinese women or, or Chinese women here have really related to it. Um, some women who are Chinese who have lived here or grew up here said, you know, this is insane. Um, my parents moved here in 1985, and they still behave like the people in China, <laughs> like their you know, timelines or their, their reference points for when someone should be married by. I haven't changed. Oh. Oh, like Chinese Americans. Yeah, having lived in such a long time. I was really surprised. I did an event out in Bethesda, and um, it was about, I don't know, like 60 or 70 Chinese people in their 50s and 60s showed up, and they were really engaged. I mean, they asked tons of questions, and I was really surprised that the Chinese American community, and especially an older community, could be this interested. But I think they were curious to know what it was like for, you know, young people now um, to just get a sense of, you know, how much China had changed and if it was anything like of dating mores in the states are now and that kind of stuff but it was surprised to see how many older people turned up to understand yeah that's you know, cool about i think the like, idea of your like values changing like i i don't think it would happen for me the opposite way if i had kids but i lived in china i wouldn't be like you have to get married at 23 because that's the local culture right i would still have the american mindset right right yeah i mean basically it would maybe be frozen in time right whatever you left the u.s with um probably wouldn't evolve from there I mean, I could say, as someone who has kids, it's better to have kids younger in the sense that it's easier to, like, I imagine having energy mm. when you're old. But, like, as far as... Kaplan didn't do that. Just I didn't catch you up. His yeah, kids yeah. are five and three. This yeah, is yeah. music to the ears of many Chinese moms. Yeah, but uh, I think advance... They don't know about, like, advances in medicine. Like, I feel like there used to be... <laughs> Like, oh man! There used to be like a legitimate like health concerns because uh, with like delivery and stuff, but now I feel like that's, I mean, you know, I was born. My mom was twenty six, so I was like, you know, I'm probably superior, I guess, to my siblings who are younger, who are, but yes. you're based on this theory, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I feel like everyone in New York's having kids in their thirties for the most part, into their early forties. So, and we're doing okay. I think these kids are. I mean, my son's a student of the month. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, and, you know, this month. And, you know, yeah, we, we, although we, we, we kind of forced that. We we did force that <laughs> on the pod. We oh, wow. we pressured them into it. What power of the pod? But yeah, so yeah. he, you know, we were in our thirties so without saying any ages <laughs> when, when he was born. So you should tell everyone that. Well, it could I be actually, the month in New York City. I actually spent this past Saturday at uh, China's premier fertility clinic. 
Oh, um, doing some research. And I was there. I was actually at a very controversial sperm bank. China's most controversial sperm Wait, bank. Wait, how did you have sperm Wait, what? controversial? <laughs> what are they like? It's the sperm of criminals? Uh, no, 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 What's no. It's no, controversial. No. <laughs> so we have Charles Manson sperm. It's very controversial. This, this particular sperm bank made worldwide headlines uh, last week Ooh, because on its official, yeah, I bet you didn't expect you'd be getting this from yeah. me. Um, it On its official WeChat account, it posted the requirements for being a donor. Okay. And one of them was a legion to the party nice and so somebody Ooh. picked up on this and then of course 5,000 million other gajillion outlets picked up on it because it was an easy story and they were like communist sperm required at you know <laughs> da, da, da. I've been and, in favor of that yeah. <laughs> I'm th- like, why can't you pick I mean like you, you get to pick everything else right like it's if you're gonna pick what like your kid's well, gonna be I'm like I'm sure like a lot of people aren't like well I'm gonna take like was did you vote for Trump and get back to that or something? Or, or, people Seriously. care about politics when they. When I bet you Americans do the same thing, they, but they have a choice. Yes, the people have it, a choice. The bank doesn't make the choice. Yeah, the bank. So the bank <laughs> is filtering out anyone who doesn't believe in. But the it's party. a private company, right? The bank. Uh, no, it's, it's actually a state run. Oh, that's what, so it's part of. Oh, well, it's that like makes it even more. But China's it's actually, premier yeah. loyalty yeah, to the part. But then you're going to raise a country without any independence. Like you want, like to at least be some something in you that could. Now you're catching on, Kaplan. Terry, really? I mean, that's what I was going to say. First of all, it's not hereditary. Well, they're saying it is i don't know i mean it was it was like a big thing in the news and it kind of disappeared and and you know it blew up to sort of the implication that all sperm banks in china were requiring this which is not true That's what it was every just, story about china yes, makes it seem like all of china does right. whatever this one all thing is the time. that's why whenever as much as possible i like to be like oh i just got a coffee down the street it was great i love america <laughs> exactly <laughs> like just that that's representative that's what people do with china all the time they think that this one experience they had just means the whole country. Especially if it's something that could blow out of proportion. And you're like talking this. about a billion and a half people. Yeah. So then and a, a whole lot of potential sperm donors. Yeah. Are the other sperm banks like using this to be like these are the rebel sperm banks. And no, like, not at all. I mean, <laughs> they. I, I think they were quite embarrassed by it, and they pulled down the post. Oh. And you know, I actually walked past the the department, and I just saw two young men looking rather nervous. Um, mm. They were going to get five thousand. I think it was five thousand five hundred quai for it. So much, it was pretty decent. That? Amount What's of that money? exchange rate? That's like eight hundred dollars. Yeah, eight hundred bucks. And you, know, yeah, that's a good deal. Maybe a little bit Maybe more. I'll even. But they were. Wait, are they allowed? Well, I'll be loyal I, to. I the, couldn't see it in their eyes. I mean, <laughs> I'm willing to. I didn't ask. I'm willing to swear allegiance to the party for eight hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, do, me too. They, do they allow Jews though? <laughs> like, <what's> the, <laughs> is there is there a height requirement? You must like, be communist. Yeah. We also accept. We've you. said yeah. this before, but I think Jews are really respected in China. Yeah, so maybe well, most of us are communists. Thought it was smart. Well, they think you're all wealthy. So exactly, there's that. And we love the food. Yeah. Make, okay. I'm this is donate. actually wait. This I need is more a good kids idea. that I don't have to raise though. <laughs> Why don't we start a company where we get uh, Jewish guys who can't get married here to go to China and marry Chinese women? I feel like Chinese families would be happy with a Jewish uh, husband. Yeah, I'm not sure the Jewish family is going to be thrilled, but you know. No, but they also <laughs> don't ever. I met a girl when I was in China who, um, when I first went there, we were all in the same like teaching course, and they asked everyone like, you went around the room, it was like, why did you move here? And she said, because I'm Jewish. And uh, I can't find a guy in America, but I know that Chinese people don't have religion. Oh, good so point. they're the easiest ones to convert. Yes. Holy shit. She just straight up said it. They're the only ones who can convert. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's yeah. choosing Jewish over Christmas, but you know, they might choose it over nothing. Over nothing. Yeah. Right? There you go. Yeah, 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 I think yeah. there are a lot of women in the Hasidic communities who are having a hard time finding finding mates. Maybe that's Sounds your like your first... next book idea. Well, no, I'm saying it sounds like your next business venture. Ooh. You can, you know. Oh, after we get out to these villages? Yeah. We got a lot on our plate. We, we might need to hire some China people. We babies. DD date. DD date. You need to get working on We could do a Hasidic version of that. The car can only go under an era if I'm getting very specific. Wait, but then the Chinese guys can't grow the beard, so. Oh. 
can, well, you can buy them on Taobao. It's no big deal. That's true. Yeah. It can, yeah. It's not like you have to. If you can't grow facial hair, it's not like. Oh, that's not a requirement. Are you requir- sure? Oh. Well, I mean, they do it because they can. I mean, oh, if they couldn't do it, right. I don't know. You don't get kicked out. You don't get kicked out. I'm, okay, so now disorder. you live in Cuba. <laughs> Wait, uh, what? <laughs> Good segue. <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't run its course. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I live in New York City, and I travel to Cuba very often because I'm. I a looked Cuba up something. Oh, you travel there. Okay. Yeah. How long have you been traveling there? Um, this has been my beat since August. The beat for the, the Economist. Beat. Yeah. So is this a? What, is this because of your experience with communist governments? That you also <laughs> is there any link between China well, and Cuba? We, there, there is tons of investment. In fact, yeah, I speak Spanish, but there's there's also a lot of investment. I mean, I just became curious in Cuba because in 2015, when I first started sort of keeping my eye on it, um, it felt like 2015 is when diplomatic relations were reestablished between Cuba and China. Uh, so I became with the United States, and same thing, right? Yeah, um, yeah. they've always been good with China. Economically, why, yes, right? same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in many ways it felt like 1979 China, right? You had American companies that were kind of licking their lips, waiting to get into Cuba, and you had a government that we thought was maybe on the verge of economic reform, so you're going to be shedding this centrally planned sort of, you know, communist economy, and it was going to become something else. We all knew it wasn't going to be China, was it going to become Vietnam, was it going to be a different place? It just seemed like, you know, I could be able to sort of travel back in time and see what China was like in 1979 through Cuba. And that's what first caught my eye. Obviously, that's not been true, uh, uh, Cuba is still a very much a centrally planned government. Oh, it didn't open up. Uh, no, not at all. Not, I mean, it opened up a little bit, but not nearly like China did. Um, but it was that's kind of, you know, that was that was what first got me interested. And it's a fascinating place. And it's so different from China in so many levels. I mean, you go from 1.3 billion people and no sunshine to, you know, 11 million and constant reggaeton and more <laughs> sun and rum than, you know, than you could probably find anywhere else. And yet a whole sun lot of rum. Chinese investment. So, oh, there is Chinese investment. A ton, yeah. And what? And what? What are they investing? Um, in? they're doing Sugar. a lot. They're doing a lot. Um, I, I mean, they they do a lot in a bunch of different things. So, renewable energy is one. Um, but the tourism one is kind of fun. So, right now, um, there's some big Chinese companies there looking to build golf courses and hotels, um, with sort of the eye to Amazing. getting direct flights from China to Havana. I look at China's going to gentrify Cuba. <laughs> I know. I find that very exciting. <laughs> oh, I find it terrible. Cuba, but. <laughs> they're gonna put in like. I love how courses. golf courses. That's golf I, mean, I thought golf courses. was the enemy of communism. Yeah. Well, Fidel used to golf. Fidel did, but golf. also Fidel outlawed golf, didn't he? He did. He was a bit point. of a hypocrite on a few. He, he was very yeah. hypocritical. He outlawed it for that. the people. <laughs> he loved to scuba dive. I mean, not exactly. He didn't outlaw scuba diving. No, he did not. Love scuba okay, diving. good. That would have been a step too far. Yeah, it's kind of hard to outlaw scuba diving. They're underwater. You can't see them. Talk to the fish. Yeah. So yeah, outlaw golf. Okay, yeah. And then China, I know, has tried not they haven't tried to outlaw golf, but I used to play golf in China and they would every once in a while they would blame golf for certain things. Such as broken windows or No. <laughs> like like the land and the water yeah, and it takes up too much space, it's yeah. not for the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. But when you go to a golf course, it was all government officials. I mean, golf. China's yeah, of kind of I think yeah. has enough land, no. What? China seems like a place with enough land you can actually build some golf. <laughs> yeah, they got like a lot Cuba's of a little smaller. Yeah. Well, but but it's got a lot of uninhabited, totally, you know. Yeah. 
So there is space to do this. Right. Well, it's only 11 million um, people. And the U.S. Said, isn't going to do it. So I think as soon as Trump was elected, China was like, all right, but this wait, is all for us. Trump might get it, might change his mind on this whole Cuba policy if you talk about the golf course. That's true. He Perhaps, can put some beautiful Trump golf courses down there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he's too late. Yeah. He, oh, my God. He's he gonna, wasn't thinking. Yeah. No, he was too late. When he was trying to please Marco Rubio, he Yeah, he pleased like, the oh, Florida. Marco he pleased little Marco and the Florida voters, but he lost out on a golf course opportunity. Exactly. So do you feel like Hemingway when you're there? Where do you stay? At, uh... Just like him, I drink, I get violent, <laughs> I beat people. <laughs> nice. Um, you fish. Yeah, I fish. I go swimming. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, not quite like Hemingway, but it's definitely. I love. Going Are you down welcome there. as a journalist there or not? Um, I mean, it's not stamped on my forehead, right? So uh, I, I've never had any issues. The minders, how far back do they? Um, the miners are a lot friendlier in Cuba than they are in China. Oh, look at I that. I mean, you know, if, if you're doing something that they're a little bit questionable of, they'll say, hey, you know, um, what's this? What's going on? They'll maybe invite you to have a coffee. They're, they're not nearly as intrusive as they are in China. Although I don't have tons of experience with miners in China. But, I was going to you know, ask. From, I, you... Yeah, no, I don't. But from, you know, from fr fr I've spent time with friends who have miners, so we've been followed. And it's like we're buying, you know, towels in the basement of, you know, some supermarket. Like you know, we're doing silly things, you know, and, and the miners are following us. And it's kind of like this is absurd. That has to be the most um, boring job on uh, earth. You just incredibly. walk around with a journalist? Yeah, right. you kind of follow them. You keep tabs on them. I don't think I ever had one, but yeah. they weren't checking out ice Again, cream salesmen. we weren't, we weren't that important. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't following us. But no, in Cuba, they're way more... Um, um, you know, in my experience, they're way more low key about it. Um, and yeah, overall, I mean, I speak Spanish, and and my mom is actually from the same region as Fidel Castro's dad, so oh, I guess that talking gives me point. a bit of cred. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, eres española. They they make fun of my accent because I've got the Castilian. Th oh, which yeah. Which makes me sound like I have a lisp. Barcelona. And um, <laughs> everyone in Cuba has got a grandfather from my mom's region. You know, they're like, oh, española, de dónde? You know, like, where are you from in Spain? You say Galicia, and they say, oh, my grandfather. Everyone's got a grandfather. Nice. So it's. Uh, yeah, the old country. No, the, old country. <laughs> the old country. Exactly. Exactly. Fantastic. Okay. Well, so where can people find you and where can they find the book? Yeah. Uh, where can they find source. me? Well, somewhere between New York and Havana these days, mainly. And the book's everywhere um, online, Barnes Noble, Amazon, anywhere good books are sold. All right. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Roseanne. Thanks for doing the podcast. Yeah. Thank you, guys. All right. Cap. That was we, fun. We'll get to the news. I guess we'll see. Yeah. We'll All right. Let's find out what's going on on the website, Spurbanks. Play the music. <laughs> Kaplan, first of all, thank yeah. you to our guest, Roseanne Lake. She's very uh, uh, busy. She had, she had to take off. Thanks to her for being on. But Kaplan, you're on the phone right now, and I'm going to yeah, explain why. Yeah, she took a while ago. Let's just say that. Let's just clue the audience in on what's going on here. Exactly. So what happened is we recorded the news once she took off, and then I lost the recording, and now it's late night. I'm at home. Cap, you're at home. We're doing this for the people we decided we're not going to let the news go. How how else are supposed to, people supposed to get their news if we don't give yeah, it to them once a week? Yeah, you know they say in the business they say the news never sleeps, right? Exactly. So we we owe it. To, we can't just say no news one week. No, because then we can't. People rely on us. Yeah, they do. They do. We are we are like the, the, the way John Stewart used to be in the old exactly. Days. It's like how you know millennial or like uh, our I guess our generation when we were younger used to get our news from John Stewart. We wouldn't watch CNN. 
people now, these alt middles now, they don't watch any TV. They just get their news the from us. The alt middle, they, uh, they get it from us. I've read a, a lot of uh, trend stories on how the alt middle doesn't get the news from any other source. <laughs> exactly. First news story of the week, Kaplan. This comes to us from the New York Post, which is a reliable source. Target customers, Target, uh, I think we're talking about the, the superstore here. Target customers yeah. in several states are discovering white supremacist propaganda with the phrase, it's okay to be white, in quotation marks, it's okay to be white, tucked inside their boxes of uh, pampers and up-and-up diapers. Yes, according to the Anti-Defamation League. So... On um on so this is it's it's on a it's on a card like they're getting this card it's inside of their pampers and they're up and up diapers there's this card saying it's okay to be white if you flip the card over it says uh, it lists a bunch of the uh, white supremacist websites including the, oh so uh, it's like so it's not like a subtle thing it's okay to be white and I'll just let you think about it for a little bit no marinate on that it's like we're now turn over and. So it's like a fortune cookie, uh, uh, sort of like a racist <laughs> yeah. fortune cookie thing. It's like an evil fortune cookie. Oh my god! It's like a hate-filled and, uh, fortune cookie. And can you leave it in the diaper so that if you want to protest it, your baby can can poop on it, or will it be uncomfortable for the baby? No, I think that's a good idea. I think that's probably the best uh, best thing to do with it. I, I mean, I guess you could burn it. I don't know. Here's here's what I have to say about this: that this is. Listen, we're, we're, we're alt-middle, right? But sometimes when you're alt-middle, you have to agree with the right, and sometimes you have to agree with the left. You don't, we never agree with these white supremacists. That's not where I'm going. But I, we kind of have to agree with the Hillary Clinton left on this one. Hillary did not want to employ um, white Amer- right, uh, underclass white Americans. I know where you're going. Right? She did not want uh-huh. to give them jobs. And maybe she didn't want to give the, and so then therefore the they all the underclass white Americans all elected Donald Trump. Maybe she didn't want to get him jobs because she knew if they got a job, they go to work in a factory, they become alt right, they become these crazy uh, racists, and then they would put these things into pampers, and then and then it'd ruin um, mom's days across the United States of these these United States of America. <laughs> you- I love this take. You're giving Hillary Clinton like so much credit for like being all powerful uh, economic policy was going to have exactly going to keep she was going to actually physically keep Donald Trump voter types from getting jobs that was her plan <laughs> I know that was that not it she it knew, seemed to me like she knew that they was were all it. racist and deplorable I, I get it it's a great theory yeah she knew um, she, when she called them deplorable this is exactly what she was talking about right this is why we can't have um, things made in America because we are racist against things like the people in factories around the world could be racist, but they're racist against people by them. So we don't care. <laughs> Wait, if I don't put think. A message, no, no, if no. They put a message in that says Bengalis are lazy. What? what who cares? Right? It's not as offensive to. A, yeah, I don't but. care. I also don't. I don't know of that ever happening before. I don't think people have. <laughs> I know there is. You're, you're half right. Like there is a history of. People who work in factories around the world putting messages like we you have a message in a bottle and you throw it in the ocean. They're putting a message into Pampers and and whoever gets it on the other side. But usually it's like they're throwing something into an iPhone that says like I'm a slave in the Apple factory, please help. You know, and but these factory workers in America are just um, un I guess they're unhappy with other races and so right. <laughs> I mean putting, you know my wife is a, a designer and you know they have these these, these factories in India. Uh, maybe I can. You, we want to get any messages about the podcast. We can like have them slipped into like these sheeting packages, and then great idea. Um, maybe we can get like some listeners, or we could put like our cards or something. We could put our website. 
Yes. Yes, we need to expand. Lostinamericapod.com. Just There's slip nothing, it in the... We should say it's okay to be... It's okay to pod, or it's okay to watch... Uh, I don't know. It's okay but, to be the alt-middle. It. It's okay to be alt-middle, yes. Exactly. That's it. So, okay. Yeah, that's what you get. That's what Hillary warned us, and now it's happening. <laughs> Hillary warned us that we can't trust these... Uh, are they, are you, are you're actually giving Trump credit for bringing the diaper jobs back to America? Like, are you saying that... I'm saying that I'm not giving anyone credit, but I am saying that this problem did not exist before Trump was there. Right. (laughs) He, by decree, made all these diaper factories wherever they're making diapers. Apparently, you're saying they're making them in America, and they're, they're, uh, you know, you think they'd be, I guess they're emboldened by Trump, yeah. Kaplan, if there's one thing I've learned with this podcast is that when we do the news at the the end of a very long episode and the guest is still not on the episode, no one's listening, so I can say whatever I want. I like it. Great theory. Last news, <laughs> last news story of the week comes to us from the Shanghaiist. Kaplan, our old friends at the Shanghaiist, swarms of jellyfish are teeming in the waters off of the coast of China, particularly in the Yellow Sea, and they are proving to be a nuisance for Chinese warships. So here's what's happening. These jellyfish, there's so many jellyfish in the Yellow Sea, they're being sucked into the ship systems, they're clogging up the pipes, and they're causing the ships to overheat. Now, to address this issue, Chinese researchers are currently working on a so-called jellyfish shredder. (laughs) That is a massive net with sharp blades that is towed along by a boat bringing jellyfish to the surface before slicing them up into a bunch of tiny pieces which no longer pose a threat to the Chinese warships. What do we think about this? Uh, and what happens to the to the pieces they ch- chop up? Do they? Uh, I think they, they just see where they can sting you, or they're well. No, 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 no they're dead. I think I don't think they oh, can sting di- once they're dead. Well, they can't sting post death. Oh, exactly. So they just kind of create a little cake type thing on the top of the ocean, and uh, okay, maybe they exactly. end up in that that garbage pile in the middle of the Atlantic or something. I'm not sure. And whatever fish, sharks, or whatever eat jellyfish, then they can get like it's, we're, we're making it easier for them. We're doing the we're cutting up the little pieces for them, so that's very nice of us. Exactly. I mean, I'm in favor. Of, I have two minds on this. First of all, I would say that I know Donald Trump. We're in this arms race right now. He's building up our military, billions and billions of dollars to try to stop the Chinese. Turns out, all you have to do get a couple of jellyfish. Right. If we could get like if we could clone or just make breed jellyfish here, and then just like bring them over, dump them in the yellow sea, mission, and just jump like. You know, shredders to shred paper, they, you, they can get overheated if you put too much paper in the shredder, right? Now we're thinking. So, I'm sure the jellyfish put, shredder can get overheated. Yeah, I'm sure the technology is not that advanced yet. So if we I can just uh, overload them with jellyfish into the South China Sea, we can just crush China. And, um, you know, then we wouldn't need all these tariffs and everything because we would win. Exactly. So we'd be back to winning. That whole we get this idea. <laughs> we'll be so sick of winning. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, but you know, I just don't want it to backfire. You know, like there's unintended consequences because if you, if we create like a like extra jellyfish into the ocean, like I don't want them coming back here. Because are you like, you, have you ever been stung by jellyfish? No, but I'm I'm wildly scared of being stung by jellyfish. That's why I'm kind of on the Chinese side on this because I want less jelly, jellyfish in the world, not more. Yeah, I'm. A, I might be. You're right. I, I don't like jellyfish. Too. They don't even taste good. I'm, if you're no, gonna eat I'm it. like I've never been stung, but I'm like I'm like irrationally terrified every time I go in the water. I'm like looking at that. I'm like very nervous because I'm like always panicked about the idea of of like crying like a baby in public. 
Yes. You know, and I don't know how much pain it is when you get stung, but I just feel like the, the shock of it happening when I'm not ready, I'm just going to lose it. So it's like, you know, it's not like a shark attack, which would be cool. You'd be the news, you'd be a hero, you survive it. You know, yes, I, I see what you're, you're saying. Good, then you got to ask a stranger to pee on you or something, or your kids. To pee. I, mean, I guess my kids would probably love it that he used to pee on daddy, but... <laughs> I, 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 I see what you're saying. If you get if you're on the beach and you get attacked by a shark, everyone is familiar with the concept of a shark attack. You get this big bite out of you. People are like rush them to the hospital. Rush them to the hospital. If you get attacked by a jellyfish and you go ah my foot stings, you, no one can see that. They go ah walk it off, you pansy. Yeah, or they whip out their they just piss on you because everyone knows that that's what apparently cures jellyfish stings, right? Yes. Is that true? Did I make that up? I, I think your brother told me that once. He got pee. No, I, I think that's right. That checks out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> correct. So, so we should let the. I think we both agree. We're we're not gonna. Let's not talk to our friends in the Pentagon. Let's let the Chinese take care of this problem. I would say good people on both sides. It's hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard for me to take a side on this one. Both teams played hard. Yeah, it's just like the diaper manufacturing. Oh wait, never mind. <laughs> I took a side on that for sure. <laughs> All right, Kaplan. That's it. Look at that. We did this. I, we finished I feel the like we're really working hard doing bonus news like hours after we record. We should do this every week. Just forget the news. Forget the news. Do it over the phone. We're better over the phone. All right. Yeah. That's it. Kaplan, what should we do finally? I am going to go and get lost. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.